Kaysan, and hello. Welcome to Nordic Insights, where I introduce you to high-achieving Nordics and Nordic-inspired people with niche expertise in business, lifestyle, education, innovation, tech, travel, and more. I'm your host, Satu Raunola, a Finn passionate about all things Nordic, as well as yoga, running, sustainability, well-being, and great coffee. Listen in for some tips on Nordic approaches to a happier and more holistic business and personal life. Join me to explore Nordic common sense and trends in this complex world. This podcast is delivered to you every Wednesday. Uh, Welcome to another episode of Nordic Insights. I am super excited today about my guest, Ari Tulla. Ari is a Finn based in Silicon Valley. He is a serial entrepreneur, CEO, board member, and a mega successful startup dude. Ari, hi. Thanks very much for your time to joining me today. Hey, great to be here. Thank you. Now, you are working on healthcare Uh, startups in Silicon Valley, and you've been there for a while. But your journey really started in northern Finland. Uh, you told me very young age, you actually were one of the first people to actually get into something called internet. Yeah, I was uh, lucky enough to be uh, in the mid-90s, and even a bit earlier, uh, one of the early people who got a computer at the household. My, my father was a research scientist and, uh, and he saw the, the reasoning to buy a computer uh, in the mid-80s and uh, he kept updating them all the time and, and he had a connection to the university so we got the, the internet in our home uh, probably like 94 and, uh, and of course as a kid you know there's nothing better to do in a cold winter days in Finland and um, uh, we started to play around with it and, and that was uh, kind of the first step into this new world of the internet and uh, that was the time before you know we even had a world wide web so we had no web pages with just the ability to communicate uh, in different manner and there were no email for example at the time so it was very different than today. Wow. But that has definitely created a great base for your success story that you find yourself where you are now today in in California. Now, your journey then did, well, lots of, you did lots of other things, but you were working in Nokia for, uh, with Nokia apps in some stage. Yeah, I spent um, about uh, six, seven years at, at Nokia, and uh, that was a really unique time. Uh, and of course, a proud moment for any Finn to be able to, to join Nokia and, and work there on the heyday when uh, Nokia was really the, the one of the biggest companies and the most valuable companies in the whole world. And that was the time when Nokia innovated and created the first uh, uh, phones that we today call smartphones. This was a few years before iPhone or Android was introduced. So we were really paving the, the future and, and learning about the, the, the world we are living now And uh, I was one of the early people who, who saw the data and, and saw the, the fact that, you know, these devices are going to completely change the way how we're going to live our lives. And uh, we all saw it like, you know, something like, you know, 16 years ago that uh, they will become very interesting devices, not only for doing email and phone calls and taking photos, but also 
they, they really they became the new platform for computing, for applications and games. And, uh, and we created one of the first games on mobile uh, early days. And uh, it was kind of cool to see that you know, suddenly everybody around you were playing the games. Not just you know, your, your friends who were from the video gaming industry, but the people who were your moms and your mom's friends, they were playing games. And they had never ever played before on any computer. So it, it completely changed the way how people, people behave. Yeah, this must have been really exciting time uh, to be there. Now, but how come you find yourself in in healthcare uh, technology world uh, in California? So how did you end up there? Yeah, I, I when I went to to Nokia, I was I spent the first couple of years in in Finland and uh, in the head office in Helsinki or in in Espo in Kelanimi. And uh, of course, Nokia was a very and is a very global company today. So you had a lot of optionality to go and, and, and work in different places. And uh, I was uh, starting a new unit and, and a new new team around uh, creating video games at, at Nokia for mobile devices. And uh, I felt that the best place to be was not definitely in Finland, but you know we were looking at Vancouver, New York, London. Uh, I think we even talked about uh, Sydney at some point. Uh, but we ended up going to Silicon Valley because we had acquired a company here called uh, Sega Dreamcast that was the, the base for the uh, Nokia's uh, multiplayer platform at the time. So I decided to, to move my family uh, 2008, I believe, uh, to Silicon Valley. And that was a really, I think, a good decision, not only from the perspective of uh, uh, Nokia, but also a good perspective of, of learning for myself and for my family because the time that uh, we have been here for the last uh, 12, 13 years, it really has been a unique time because uh, everything really has uh, the, the epicenter of the world in tech and innovation really moved here uh, in that time. And we have seen all these companies like you know, Uber and Facebook and you know, Google really become these massive companies that are, are really changing the way how, how the world operates today. And being here and seeing it up close person has been has been really interesting. And of course, you know, when I came here, uh, the, the startup bug, it, it bit me heavy and, and I was looking at a lot of my, my friends and colleagues who, who left these big companies and they started uh, new startups. And, um, and that was something that, you know, I had already done in the past in early, early late 90s. I was uh, working with my roommates on a startup in Finland, a uh, very different environment than Silicon Valley in late 2000s, of course, but um, I really wanted to build something my own. And, um, and I, I felt that you know, healthcare was an area that uh, uh, is, was really ripe for uh, disruption. And I also had a very personal story to, to try to do something that can help people to kind of navigate the, the complicated US healthcare system. And, and we started a company in uh, 2011 called uh, Better Doctor with my, my co-founder uh, buddy from Nokia also called uh, Tapia Tovan. And, and that was a the kind of really interesting, almost a 10-year journey that, uh, that ended last year, that you know, I, I spent a lot of you know, sweat and tears to try to build something valuable for, for people in the U.S. And, and make the healthcare more accessible and, and ease to use. You um, had a. Uh, I understand many startups have this start that they try to so- solve some their own problem that they, they can't solve and they can't find the answers and that was the kind of in your case as as, as well that you know you had a um, 
you wanted to get some better health care for your family. But what has the journey been far like? Because you didn't have any experience on healthcare. I mean, you are, you know, very experienced tech guy. But how from gaming to healthcare? So that must have been a massive learning curve. First of all, coming from Finland, where we have fairly organized healthcare, to America, which is, you know, a, a total, very messy and very complex world. So what has been your journey been like in during these 10 years? I think... The whole idea about you know building something new, it doesn't need to be a company, it can be you know writing a book or starting a podcast or anything new, it, it requires uh, courage and it requires you to do something that is out of your comfort zone. And I, I always have had that in me that you know I, I don't I'm not afraid of new things. I'm I'm one of the people who will jump first and then think later. And that's how I've been since I was seven years old. Uh, my, my mom can attest to that. Uh, but so for me, that wasn't a problem. But the problem was more like, you know, and I, I knew that the, the idea was really pretty good. And uh, it was a, almost a no-brainer that, you know, could we build a marketplace in healthcare where you can online and mobile access the right care when you need help and do it all on the mobile or at least, you know, do the appointment booking and finding on the, on the mobile and, and on the web. That was really, I think, a good idea. And you know, many, many, many companies around the world have done that, and and some of the ones have now succeeded uh, quite uh, greatly. But of course, you know, coming from a completely different world of uh, healthcare in Europe, where we we lived before, and where you basically you get access to care uh, that's given to you. So you you can't pick from hundred thousand doctors the right one. You go to healthcare system, and they give you what you get, and then you get it, and you don't pay. Uh, so we had a lot of health struggles with with uh, with my family and, and my my wife had had conditions that we had to find re- really uh, complicated treatments and we spent ton of time trying to navigate those. So we had done that in Europe a little bit, but then it really escalated in the U.S. when we were trying to get pregnant and we spent um, you know many many years of, of of different treatments and things to to navigate uh, the healthcare system and we felt at that it's really hard. Uh, even if we had a really good healthcare plan from the government, from the insurance, uh, from from our employer Nokia at the time, and uh, and we could go to almost any doctor out there, we still couldn't find the right care that could be right for us. And that was something that most people who are living in the U.S. who have been accustomed to the system, they don't see because you are just you you, you it's always been like this. But for me as an outsider, it felt really different. And, and more complicated to navigate than I think for the for the native people. So that was the one upper hand I think I had. But to be frank, I mean, it was really fun when we went to raise funding and they looked at our team and our team looked more like a, like a video gaming team. We had really good, you know, people who know how to code and they had done a lot of stuff in, in the big tech. Uh, but they told us like, we don't want to give you money for this healthcare thing. We're happy to give you money if you want to make games. <laughs> So it was an uphill battle in the beginning. <laughs> the first two years were really uh, difficult from the funding perspective. And then it all changed because, you know, we were able to uh, build a system that, you know, people really like to use. So we went from, like, nobody using us and maybe two years later we had a million people a month using us. So we became a really big uh, platform. And then, of course, everybody wanted to give us money. And, uh, and it, it changed overnight once you are starting the traction and people really like what you are building. 
Wow. I'm sure that, you know, this journey of building something and, and, you know, as you said, it was very challenging. There's a lot of mistakes and uh, what do you make? What's your attitude in failing? I um, just recently listened to a, uh, a podcast where there was a, um, an author of Think Like a Rocket Scientist, Ozan Varol, and he was talking about this failing culture in Silicon Valley and startups fail often, fail, fail fast, fail forward. And they, it's even celebrated failure that they do these failure parties and you just move on. And he didn't like it at all. And he said the scientists, their attitude towards failure is totally different, that you really need to analyze it and you have to learn it before you kind of move on. Move on. And how do you today think about failure as a, as a, as a strategy? I think, I think the failure is a very loaded uh, word and a term overall because, you know, failure is something, it sounds bad, it's negative. It, it's something that, you know, you, you, you tried and you failed. And uh, I think in my mind, um, the idea of, uh, uh, you know, failing forward or failing fast, I mean, those are kind of nice ideas, but I like personally a lot more about the idea of a, of a cycle where you are basically... You are, you are trying something quickly and you are trying to iterate and, and learn from it. So for me, the learning is really the key driver and you can never learn if you don't fail. I mean, if you only succeed, how could you learn? Like, you know, <laughs> you go in, the, in a slide and it's a downhill path and you, you just go through it and you just continue your learning. And, and I mean, succeeding and winning all the time. And that's a really rare occasion. And some people that happens, and when you talk to them, and when you really talk to them, like how, why did they succeed? They have no idea. Right. They are like, well, you know, it just happened. And there are some actors, and there are some entrepreneurs who started something, and it, it became massive. And and that it just happened. And maybe the timing was right. Maybe they were lucky. Maybe they were really good. But uh, but you never know. But you know, you need that failure because if you are basically always succeeding as a, as a normal person. Like, if, if you, you feel you are succeeding all the time, I don't think you are trying hard enough. I think you need to kind of push the boundary and, and, and try to do things that are a little bit more risky and a little more challenging. And then, you know, you're always going to fail at times. And, and to me, that's really about, you know, trying to be brave about it and, and trying to be rational about it. And, um, and, of course, you have to be kind of reasonable. Like, you know, you, you, know, you can't do... Uh, like everything at once. Like there's this saying about you can't eat the elephant with uh, with one bite, and uh, that that's the the bottom line here. If if you think about like you have a big goal, you you can set the big goal, but then you have to set hundreds of milestones every day to get to the goal. And once you break everything into small pieces, it's going to be doable. And then every day you try to get one piece done, and you try to get better at it. If if you do that, I mean. It's wonderful where you're going to end up uh, over time. And sometimes it takes 10 years, like it, in our case. It took a long time to build something valuable. Yeah, great. And it also requires, I think, very good self-confidence of actually analyzing failure and admitting that you have to take criticism and you have to really understand what happened. And uh, I think it also requires a good good sense of your yourself that you can actually emotional intelligence that you actually can handle failure and not to be too emotional about it well i think that's also like you know you you read these stories and many people they they 
they talk about these things and the ways how they succeeded so much that they start to believe in the end that they are somehow unique and they actually made it happen. I would rather say that, you know, everybody, we can be, we are all pretty even. Like, I mean, I met people who are the, big, the biggest successes on a paper uh, around the world. And many of them, when you go and have a beer with them, they're pretty normal people. They are not that different. Maybe they're a bit smarter. You know, some of them are, I haven't met, but, you know, people who met Obama, for example, Barack Obama. He's, he's supposed to be like totally unique in a way of radiating something that is like, wow. Uh, maybe it's real, maybe not, but you know, there are some unicorns. But most people are pretty average. So it's really not about who you are, what you do, but then you look behind you. Who, what is your support network? Uh, what is your spouse you know, doing? Your kids are helping you. Uh, you have a lot of mentors. You have a lot of great team members. You have partners in, in crime. And they are the people who are really making all this happen in a way. Uh, so as long as you can be kind of vulnerable and you can give yourself to the, to the goal and the task at hand and you can trust the people around you, then something good can happen. But if you think that you are invincible, you are smart and you can do it alone, that can never really succeed. So that's, I think, the first learning that people should have that, you know, it's not about you, it's about the people around you who are going to make uh, really great things happen in that. Mm, that's a really good point. Now, what do you think what carries, what, what happens when a startup will succeed? You know, what, I mean, you said there's a, there's a, it's a huge team effort, but majority of startups will fail. But these startups, like yourself, what do you do and your team do differently than those that fail? What have you done some, that you really succeeded. Well, I mean, I think you know, I've been involved in in about you know six new business things we've been building over the last twenty years in different environments. But uh, you know, most of them have failed. Um, if you think about the failure as a as an outcome in the end, what's the value for the owners or whatnot? But uh, the last one, I think you know, we I don't think we had a like a slam dunk success. I think we have a we had a we had a okay success for everybody involved investor perspective from the team perspective and so forth so and a lot of learning was accumulated over time uh, so I don't really think that I mean I have really done like a great uh, success case that I would be really kind of proud about or I could tell people like you know copy what I did I don't think I'm there yet I hope that the, the new thing we are building now uh, could be uh, in that real and uh, but I mean I, I think you know you overall um, you are just trying to every day move forward and, and you try to kind of, you know, be resilient about it. And for me personally, I think the, um, it, it's really been about the sizzle and the crit and the guts of being able to, you know, be persistent. And I think, you know, many people in my shoes would have folded the company and went to do something else. Because the beauty of the time has been that, you know, you live in Silicon Valley, you work on tech for 20 years, uh, you've been, you know, a ton of people. I mean, you can go to and knock the door at the big companies like Google and others, and they're happy to take you in. And uh, you can do really amazing things in these big companies. And uh, it, 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 it can be almost probably more fun at times than the smaller companies that you are struggling every day uh, to get funding and, and, you know, build what you want. So I, I haven't yet seen the success. I hope I can, I can talk to you again in about you know, 10 years and I can talk about like what I really did right 
I write a book about. I, I think I'm writing a book about, but it's going to be a different topic today. I hope to write a book in the future that will be a book about like how to do it. Right. But what is success for you then? Because you know, during my research, you your like better doctor, for example, has been hugely successful. Millions of people have been able to use it, and you've been able to help millions of people and millions of doctors. But so, what is what is success for you? Well, I, 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 we set a goal at the early time of the better doctor. We wrote it down that you know we we want to help people find the right care. We want to help people get better access to healthcare. That, that was our goal, and we said we want to help million people. And uh, last year, this year, I think you know the company that is that today called Quest Analytics that uh, I was leading for a moment that owns today Better Doctor as well. Uh, we are somehow impacting about 200 million people a year when they access care. We are not the, the platform they use. They don't know our name, but behind the scenes, we are impacting the system that they access. So for me, that's the success that, you know, we started an idea, like just an idea. Like, can we make a system that can help people access healthcare better? And today we are helping most Americans every year on some level, maybe a tiny level, but we are doing it. And that feels really good to me. Um, for me, it's not about the, the money. Uh, it really is about the, the, the goals, these big ideas, and making them real. And it's also about the ongoing learning for myself and for the team. And to be fair, I think the biggest, biggest you know, value for me, if I think about um, what, what makes me feel good, it's the, of course, you know, you are proud about the fact that, you know, people look at you and say, you've done something that I would love to do. Uh, you were brave. You, you, you took your dream and you worked on it and something happened. That makes you feel great. But that's more like a very kind of personal, a little bit like, you know, uh, like almost this bad to kind of, you know, blast on that. But the, the other thing that I really care about is that, you know, we have hired hundreds of people to work on this mission. And many of them, you know, work for us maybe like two, three years. And, and later you see that they ended up working on something very cool or they started a new company themselves. And that was possibly by your helping them. And now I've been able to invest in some of the companies that, you know, my team members have founded. And, and that makes me feel really good because, you know, I was able to help them to get and learn something and give them maybe a courage to go on their own and build something even more valuable for them. So that is the single most valuable thing for more, me personally that I feel good about. That's really, I love it. It's like a butterfly effect that you can, you can kind of share your knowledge in that, that it, you know, other people will benefit out of it. So it's really lovely. Now, you talked about being, having CISO, Finnish CISO and resilience, and that's been one of the things that kind of drives you. You know, what, what do you think you're, you as a Finn and Nordic, what's your kind of position in the Silicon Valley? Is there advantage to be a Finn or Nordic I mean, you know, we're famous for innovation and coming up with, you know, cool things. Do you think that's uh, any advantage for, to you? Well, if I take the Silicon Valley... Uh, Maybe today, I mean, even this whole idea of a location is kind of gone with the COVID. Like I could be sitting now in, in Tahiti or, or in, in Finnish Lapland and we could have the conversation. We wouldn't really know 
the difference, as most people don't, because we don't really see people face to face, and it will last another maybe six to nine months more. Uh, so this COVID is unique time. But I think for me, uh, they, of course, you have these things like you know funny accent. People really can't point where I'm from. I look like a pretty average, you know, dude. I mean, nobody knows like where I'm from from that perspective. And uh, I, I think there's there's just a very a bit of a mystery from being from Finland because most people have never been there. They have nothing bad to say about it. Maybe they know something about it, but most people are like you know slightly curious about it, and um, and it gives you maybe this little bit different mystique that you know most people don't have. But beyond that, I mean, this is a melting pot. Most people are not from here. Most people are not even from the U.S. Uh, most people, I don't think they even are citizens of the of the U.S. today who are living here and working here. So that's kind of the world we are living in. And I, I personally, you know, I've been out of Finland for a long time, and I, I started to mainly work globally almost, uh, I don't know, 18 years ago. So for me, this is like, uh, I, I don't really have a place. I feel a little bit like rootless. So of course, I'm trying to kind of, you know, have some sort of a link to Finland and, and have like a ability to, you know, kind of maintain my my roots. So we speak only Finnish at home. Our kids, I mean, they speak Finnish mainly and then English. Our, our, my daughter, who is two years old, doesn't speak any English, only Finnish. So, I mean, that kind of makes us a bit, bit different. But I don't think there's a really a benefit um, of being from the Nordics. But as I said already, I think the, the, the resilience and the SISU and I think these ideas are really important for me and I'm, a, I'm an ex-athlete and, and I'm trying to still be active as much as I can and, uh, and I really try to, like one thing I try to do that I think is something that um, uh, feels unique to me personally, I try to every year take this uh, maybe like a one month a year, one week a year at least, when I go back to basics like to the Spartan times like live in a way that you know people lived maybe 2000 years ago and and go back to basics and i try to do that a lot more nowadays like like we don't buy stuff really we don't own anything today uh we don't own a house we only own a car that's very old like 13 years old car so we are trying to live that that type of life with my wife and with our family that you know we don't really we don't have much stuff like we have like certain number of clothes we have certain number of items in the household uh, we try to be very minimalistic on, on that perspective. And that's kind of part of the Finnish ethos that I have. That's nice. Now, there are also, of course, other, other Nordics in Silicon Valley, and you met, I'm sure, other, other of them. What do you think are the differences between the Nordic countries and you know, Nordic way of doing things, like, Swede, like if you think about Swedes and Norwegians and Danes? Uh, and Finns, what, what kind of differences do you see? There are similarities, of course, but there are also quite uh, big differences. Yeah, it's a very, it's an interesting viewpoint. I think you know you have the same. You are you are very far from the Nordic, in where you are today in Australia. But here, I mean, also we're pretty far on the west coast of the U.S., so not many people trickle down here. If you go back two hundred years, it was really interesting that you know in San Francisco there was a Finnish community, like there's the very famous area called Castro where um, a lot of Finns, I mean, I don't know if it's true, but even Finns basically started that part of the city. And there were, they were hundreds, if not thousands of them. And these, these were people who came here on the gold rush. And they worked in the city, and they worked on the mills, they worked on the uh, factories, and they also worked in, in a fur trade. 
basically you know hunting uh, hunting things uh, in the forest. So there's a lot of like this sort of Finnish stuff that happened here a uh, long time ago. But if you look at today, it's interesting because you have a lot of Swedes. Like Sweden has been a, a very outgoing country for a long time, and there's been a lot of success in in the Swedish you know startup community. A lot of you know big companies who came here pretty early. So I think we have like you know uh, more Swedes here than we have the other combined Finns, Danes, Icelandic people, and uh, and Norwegians. And um, but then you take I mean Finns are probably the second biggest group, and then you have the Danes and the Norwegians, and they are really struggling. There there are not many companies from there, and um, I don't know why. I mean Denmark of course is the nicest place to live in the world. They're the happiest people. They are the ruling guns that you know even the the football fans are very kind of subtle, subtle and nice. And Norwegians again, they are so wealthy, and they are living in a, such a beautiful country uh, because of the oil and and I think you know the nature they have. They don't really venture out that much. There's very little tech happening in Norway. So I think you know the Finns and the Swedes are the most of people here, and then you have a few odd uh, Danish and, and Norwegians, and then you have like this couple you know Icelandic uh, folks who are doing really really great, uh, uh, but they are only a handful of them. Mm, very interesting, isn't it? I didn't know this thing about uh, Finns in California. That's a very interesting story. Now, you already talked about that. You know, make what makes you happy that you actually can um, assist. Uh, you know, your old staff and and new entrepreneurs to that you are actually involved in a lot of uh, as an advisor in many other startups, and you also are mentoring a, a Nordic and a startup community in Finland. Yeah, I try to do that, and I think you know this. Like I said already, like I, I, I came from. I had, I had a lot of, I think, ability, and we had a good team of people when we when we went to healthcare. But we only were able to get where we we got in the end because of people helping us. And this whole idea of giving forward and giving people help without really asking anything uh, for it is is a really nice idea that actually is making rounds here. It really works, and people are quite willing. If you ask them, they're quite willing to help to a certain extent. So I'm trying to do the same thing in a, in a way that I, I meet um, probably a couple of companies a month uh, from the Nordics and, and, and try to help them um, on getting to the U.S. market, understanding what the problems could be. Because it's very difficult to be uh, and live in Finland and, and try to go to the U.S. You, you don't really think about what the complexities are. And often it's not about, you know, are you able to talk to the right people or do you have a good product? It's very pragmatic stuff like uh, how do you get the visa, um, how do you hire people, how do, who do you trust, uh, how do you build the operating system for your company. And those are things I've now done many times and um, and I've been able to help uh, quite a few companies and, and some of them are doing really well. So it's been really fun to see that you know I've been doing a very, very small contribution on some of these companies. That's great. And how do you see the startup world in Finland? Do you see any potential unicorns coming up in the next few years? I mean, I think it's it's just mind-boggling. Like for me personally, I I remember, uh, I think, year 99, I, I went to study in the US for one semester from uh, university. And uh, the only option we had was a small school in Kansas, uh, in Emporia. It's a tiny, tiny town in the middle of the country. And uh, at that time, you know, the university system in Finland, they really had no communication and connectivity uh, to the better schools. 
And what happened, think about in 20 years, uh, today we have people who are going from Helsinki University or Aalto University to Stanford, to Berkeley, uh, to one, some of the best universities in the world. And that's working perfectly. And I, I meet these people and I'm like, I mean, you guys are so lucky that you have this ability. Uh, at Better Doctor, uh, we, for example, we hired, I think we hired 11 people from Finland, from Aalto University and other universities uh, as, a, as a student that uh, is graduating or graduated. And they came to work for us uh, for three months or six months. And uh, I think I think 10 of them stayed for more than two years. So we were able to bring people into the U.S. Uh, who just graduated to work in a startup in the, in the Silicon Valley. And that was really what I wanted to do myself when I was 20 years old. And there was no way to do that. And, and that to me is the biggest you know, shift that has happened now in Finland especially. The, the Aalto University, the, the SLAS uh, startup conference have really built an amazing uh, springboard for a ton of people. And it, we talk about hundreds of people, maybe thousands of people who've been able to get and do something really, really cool. And of course, it, the, the, the big thing that happened is basically because of uh, Nokia. So Nokia's uh, collapse and demise was the boon for the Finnish startup system because the Nokia employees, they had by default global. They were by default very good, many of them. And they had the confidence to do new things. So I don't know the numbers, but there must be uh, probably 100, 200, 300 companies that were founded by ex-Nokians. Some of the people made money at Nokia. They started to invest in companies. They were helping other people to get up. They were advising companies. And, and this really kind of started to build it. And of course, you know, my old buddies from the gaming community that I've been you know, one of the early members of in the 90s already, they really built the gaming ecosystem. And today there are thousands of people in Finland who work on video games. And Helsinki is the second hub in the world, probably after Silicon Valley, for video game. And that is a phenomenal uh, thing that happened. And on the unicorn question, I mean, I've had, I'm really proud that I've been able to help a little bit in a company called Aura, for example, uh, the ring company uh, that is tracking your sleep and, and heart rate and so forth. I mean, they are definitely going to be a unicorn, uh, likely already next year. They are doing really well. Um, and there are a few other ones that are, are doing like really, really well in different fields. And I'm really excited that they are not only in gaming, but they're also in, in healthcare, they're also in automotive, they're also in other areas. So uh, Helsinki is a really exciting place today. A lot of good things are happening every day. That's uh, such exciting times, and yes, I've definitely also been following some of them. There are really exciting news coming up. Now, um, you have had many, many highlights, I'm sure, in your in your in your time. Um, can you? Is there like a one that tops uh, when you think about your career and your in your uh, you as an entrepreneur? I mean that that's kind of the, the problem of this that you know these things take time years even even decades and um, you you often have and this is maybe a Finnish uh, dilemma a bit that uh, you don't really celebrate the successes along the way enough and um, then all these you know moments that are are kind of interesting like when we when we sold a company for example two years ago Better Doctor um, it took like you know six months. So it's not like, you know, you, you have one moment that, you know, you, you win in a lottery, but, you know, it's six, day, six months every day you're crying about it and you can't talk to anyone about it. 
except you know your 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 co-founders, your investors, your lawyers, and your your you know wife. But uh, so it wasn't like you know you do it and then it's done. But it was like grinding and grinding and then it was done. And then once it was done, you know, I I took a lead as a as a CEO of a new company. But I think for me, um, the biggest single success that I I was surprised about is that uh, I'm not uh, I'm not a big company uh, leader in a way that I never been running a, a big company before. And the fact that you know uh, the team at uh, at uh, the Quest Analytics and the team at the private equity firm who bought us and uh, Quest Analytics and we bought also one uh, division from Optum United Healthcare's uh, data side and we built this medium-sized company. Uh, the fact that you know the, the board and and the, and the new owners they said that you know we want to have you to be the new CEO and I was really flattered and, and surprised because I was basically ten years younger than anyone else uh, who were you know possible CEO candidates and um, and I I was I was surprised and um, and I, I I did the best I could in the in the in the year and a half or two years I I took the gig and um, and that was really difficult really hard and new to me. Uh, and I don't know. I mean, I did a lot of you know mistakes, but I was able to build a culture that is now moving forward, and the company is doing really well. So I I feel really proud about that. And and it wasn't something I was looking for. It was kind of it came to my lap, and and as I normally do, I I said yes, and uh, and uh, and and saw it through. So it was really fun. Yeah, you know, we talked about um, how Finland has changed, and you said also that you you always had this curiosity of you just say yes to things and things where we were known long time for not having good confidence we were kind of always in the background and you know the the confidence has not been great until maybe 20 years now thanks to Nokia and all these things but if we think about sports we used to always you know lose in ice hockey and it was all about not our ability but it was actually that we believe that we can win what do you think has changed In, in the Finnish culture and, and you know, people now in the 30s, 40s, 50s, that that actually that there is more confidence. We make much more greater things and we just do it and, and have this funny... We are, we are now proud to be Finns. And I think there were some states that we were not proud to be Finns, that we were kind of this odd tribe in the north. So what do you think has changed? I, I think you, you pose a really interesting question and uh, and I, I think it's a, it's a difficult one to, to have a very good you know uh, summary and, and, a, and a concise answer but I, I try to be very focused on this so I think the one thing that made a difference is that there were examples it's very difficult to build confidence or the winning mentality if you are not seeing people around you winning and I think the The Nokia had a had a big role to play. Um, I think certain things like even in a Finland scale, you had. I think the ice hockey is a, is a good one. I played ice hockey for my youth, and um, and it's my sport of choice. But also, you know, Formula Ones, and Finns are crazy about you know sports anyway. But this idea that you know there were people that you know who succeeded. There were people around you who made money at Nokia, and uh, kind of making money became maybe something that, you know, is not bad. I think there was this sort of idea in 70s, 80s, even 90s that, you know, making money is somehow bad. I mean, it's not good for you. And people look like down, like, like oh, this guy made money? Like, what, what's wrong with him? 
And then some people, you know, like normal engineers, they made millions at Nokia. And the people started thinking about, hey, this is actually something nice. They buy a nice house. And it, they didn't change as people. They were the same people, but they had a lot more money than they used to have before. So that was, I think, one area. And, and then I think the, 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 the lucky coincidence that you know, Nokia uh, happened to work in an area that became really a dominant industry. And the skills people accumulated were really valuable skills you can then take in another fields. So those probably are the reasons why why Finland became. And I, I think some people who listen who don't know the, the history of, of Finland that much. But you know, think about this. My my father, he is seventy years old today. He lived the first five years in a house in a countryside, where there was no electricity. They had oil lamps when he was up to five years. I think about five. He never saw a car before he was like six, seven years old. That's in Finland 60 years ago. And then he was the first person in his whole small town or village that went into university. He was one of the first ones to go to high school. So that's Finland. The evolution has been super rapid. We went from having, you know, uh, kind of, you know, crass behind our ears into, you know, having computers in about 50 years. And I don't think there are many places in the world today, uh, maybe you know, in Africa and, and somewhere in the, in the Southeast Asia, but you know, where people can go in one lifetime from being you know, with no electricity and going into you know, becoming like you know, research scientists and you know, working on AI and stuff like that. that. That must be very rare still today. So that, that's the reason. I mean, we, we've somehow been able to do it. And I think there has been a lot of... Uh, I think the Finns might have been actually very brave always. Maybe that's more the case. It's not like we, we created this sort of a mentality. We have the sisu, we have the crit. We just deployed it into a new field that became bigger and, and more valuable in an in a economic sense. Yeah, no, that's a very good point. I really love it. It's uh, And it's very interesting to see, you know, if you follow Finnish sports and, you know, that we, fin just Finland, just beat France in soccer just you know last week and it was so exciting I still get very excited about it I feel so proud and you know these young guys they said there's no fear and you know they just go and play like no 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 time so it's um it's so nice to see that actually you know I have huge hope for Finland in the future as well and I think you know one point of that uh, it's, it's so interesting because you know my 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 children, you know, they are of course Americans and they're Finns. Uh, we became American citizens, you know, uh, not a while ago. But you know, I mean, we watch the Olympics, and when I take my American hat on, I mean, we are winning like you know five gold medals every day. I mean, it's pretty boring. Like you know, we, we like you open the TV for like two hours and we won like three medals. I'm like, okay, so what? <laughs> I mean, like, and we win like 45 gold medals or whatever last time. So. It's a very different, like Finns, they win like three medals and they're going to be celebrating in, in a market square about it. Yes. Yeah, no, it's, uh, and I, you know, it's very, my, my husband jokes about it uh, all the time because he said, you're so nationalist, you're all about Finland because I was so excited about this win with the France. But I mean, that's just inbuilt in me. Now, what would you say to your younger self 
when you, for example, first time got access to internet and or whole, you know, you got your laptop. And what would you say to him when you know now where you are today, and and when he actually started his world in tech, and and kind of, you know, you said um, that uh, saying yes to lots of things. So what would you tell him? I would just say that you know keep 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 playing and uh, and keep doing the stuff you do and 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 keep having fun. Um, that's I think the most important thing in life. That you know if you we're gonna live here you know probably hundred years almost. Many of us nowadays when we can expand lifespan a little bit maybe even even longer, and that's a long long ride. And uh, you should really have fun. And if you work on things that you care you're going to have more fun and you're going to have more fulfilling life. And uh, I don't think anyone who is, uh, let's say, 10 years old or 15 or 20 years old should really stress about, you know, the future. They should just, you know, build skills that they think are going to be valuable, things that they really uh, care about and areas that they are passionate about. I mean, in life, I think the, the ability to be excited Ability to be passionate about something is most important. I mean, we can do amazing things if we really uh, put our head around something and really go deep and, and care about it. Uh, great advice also for those who are, you know, working in startups and building their business. Now, what's next to you? Uh, I understand that you have a new startup that you started and it's all about food as a medicine. So can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, we are. we have been in the in the stealth mode for the last uh, uh, nine months or so. And um, I, I be, really, I, I saw healthcare uh, in a broad scale when I was at, at Better Doctor and Quest. And after that, I've been helping and investing in many companies in the space of healthcare, uh, quantifying your body, uh, feeding people in a better way, and, and so forth. And I, I came to uh, believe in this idea that only way to change the way the healthcare system can work and make us healthier and also lower price healthcare is by focusing on the preventive side. And nothing is more important from the prevention side than the right diet and the right food. So your health really is a composition of three things. It's about uh, your food, about your sleep and stress, and then exercise. Those things have to be done in a, in the right moderation, and you can be very healthy. And you can also convert people who are very unhealthy today. You can convert them to be healthy by just optimizing those three. And I want to focus really on the on the food for the next decade. And the new company it's called uh, Elo, Elo Health. And Elo, of course, in Finnish means life and and lifespan. And it's funny because you know if you pronounce it Elo as people will. Elo, of course, means happiness. So there's like a double meaning that I think I can take both ways is good in my mind. But uh, the mm-hmm. company is going live now in the in the next uh, coming weeks. And um, and we are starting in a, in a very kind of small beta program where we invite people uh, to, to work with us in the U.S. only. And um, uh, the website is elo.health. Uh, people can go and uh, check it out. But uh, uh, it's going to be a long, long ride. It's going to be very difficult, uh, but I'm I'm super excited and and I'm I'm so happy to be able to work with uh, with my my longtime great friend Tapio and my my better doctor co-founder and my co-pilot at, at Quest. So we've been working together for 15 years every day, and um, and it's so fun to start another program and another project with him because you know we 
we work really well together. And we have already hired people. We, we used to work at, uh, at Better Doctor years ago together. So we have an old, old gang coming back together and, and starting a new thing. That sounds so exciting. I will follow very closely about your development and, and success, and hopefully you will spread that globally one day. Um, I'm personally very excited uh, and interested of the, of the same same thing. It's been absolutely delight, delightful to talk to you, Ari, and I wish you all the best of success with your new adventure and your life in life in California. Thanks very much for joining me today. Hey, hey, thank you so much. And thank you for doing this. This is really valuable, I think, for everybody who listen. Don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. And if you enjoyed this podcast, I would appreciate if you would leave a quick rating and review. You can also find Nordic Insights on Facebook and Instagram. Thank you for listening. Voi hyvin, hade sopra, take care.